What's up, everybody? This is Nick Bacone of the Straight Shooters Podcast. This Thanksgiving week, we decided to take a break from live recording, so we'll be uploading some classic audio greatness for your listening pleasure. Next up, it's our deep dive from the 1998 Survivor Series. This Survivor Series featured a tournament for the vacant WWF title, which was won by The Rock, who screwed over mankind as he, Vince McMahon, and Shane McMahon uh, not only screwed over mankind, but also Stone Cold Steve Austin in the process as The Rock turned heel and they formed the corporation in the build-up to WrestleMania 15. This Survivor Series was our original episode 260, our deep dive, and it was recorded on November 18th, 2020. And as you've come to know, our deep dives have become a staple on this podcast and we will continue doing so. Also, Friday morning, we're going to upload one more for this week, so get ready for that. So get ready to join me and Vaughn Johnson for a look back at the 1998 Survivor Series. Shoot it, the radio universe. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a back, Feeling good. Well, all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in the arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was a riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I don't know that. But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! Woo! Woo! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, but he know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me that hell, yeah! I said give me that hell, yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 260 of the Stray Shooters Available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Pacone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight where we have another deep dive. Last week, we did the infamous 1997 Survivor Series. Well, this week's show, we're going to fast forward a year and go to Survivor Series in 1998. A lot less controversial than 1997. Uh, and WWF was in a lot better shape. A lot of they had a lot of good stuff going for him at this point. Uh, so we're gonna deep dive all into that on this here show. But before we get into that show, before we get into Survivor Series 1998 on this show, episode 260, Nick, gotta do my weekly check-in with you. How you doing tonight, my good brother? I'll tell you who's in better shape on November 18th. 2020 at 7:14 p.m. and that's the Philadelphia 76ers after mm. just about an hour ago a little over an hour ago trading Al Horford to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh you know we finally like I I even texted you I was just like going wild you know I'm not exactly you, you can't pinpoint me as a Phil, just a Phillies fan like or the Eagles fan or the Sixers fan I'm like a fan of everyone Especially like on social media, I don't I don't really like talk that much about the sports teams. Uh, I just try to like come up with a good meme or something and share and make people laugh, um, and then I'll tweet during Eagles games or whatever. But I was with every like all the Sixers fans just wanted something to happen, and I, I woke up today didn't even know the NBA draft was today. 
How about that? It's less than an hour away. <laughs> you wasn't the only one. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> so and it's not like it's not the NBA. So it's just it's so much going on right now. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, not, in the world. So yeah, it's not the league's fault. It's uh, just a lot of more. We're not used to seeing a draft in the middle of football season. Like, like <laughs> it's usually in after the finals, which was like June, July ish, and there's nothing else going on. So it's like, oh, NBA draft. And now yeah. it's like in the middle of week as we build up to week eleven. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Then they're going to start the season in like a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so, absolutely nuts. That's going to be wild. So, you know, I'm kind of, you know, it 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 got me excited uh, to see if Daryl Morey has any other moves up his sleeve, and if he does, they might actually break during this show. We've had a lot of like funny Sixers type news break during our recordings throughout the years. So, uh, you know, it might not be over for the Sixers tonight. So, you know, I'll have that going on my iPad uh, and and look over here and there uh, once Dynamite and NXT start, even though, uh, you know, I'm just not feeling wrestling <laughs> at this point. It, Wednesday night wrestling, I should say. Um, but Survivor Series is a Sunday, so <laughs> we're at least... Oh, yeah. yeah. How about that? <laughs> and by the way, I am looking forward to Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. I think that's going to be a, a really fun match to watch. Uh, but it's really not going to mean anything in the grand scheme of things. So nope. I, I just kind of I'm going into this show ready. I, I'm excited to talk about the 1998 Survivor Series, but I also um, hopefully can get myself excited for this weekend. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's an interesting time right now uh, in our country with everything that's going on. Obviously, we've talked about it on the show in past weeks. Um, and it's only going to get more interesting moving forward. But yeah, Survivor Series, the 2020 version of Survivor Series is this weekend. Uh, it's not going to have nearly the juice that the 1998 Survivor Series had going into it for a variety of reasons, uh, partially because of the pandemic. But even th- this wasn't a pandemic, let's be honest. WWE just doesn't have the same juice it did back in 1998. So uh, we're going to talk all about that. I am happy because I got the intro right. In one take. You did. You did. I didn't <laughs> notice that. <laughs> for those, obviously, if you guys, you're, you're listening, you're unaware, but it's like a weekly ritual that I uh, mess up the intro at least one time, at least one time. And Nick has a running file <laughs> of my flubs and mistakes from over the years, all right? And it, I, I add to it every single week, except this week, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, so, the, yeah. That folder is going to be like, what the hell? It's been seven days and nothing in here. So right, uh, you know, good for you, man. I'm I'm proud of you. I, thank you, man. I I needed that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's it good did, to have uh, some good news. I, I think it all started, you know, when I actually messed up the the paper that used to read off of, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. So. Um, I don't know if I could take credit for that, but it, obviously I didn't mean to. And then it just kind of grew into like this phenomenon of messing up stuff. And uh, hey, I'm on the other end. And when when you're just like, damn it. And I just start laughing because it just brings me back to that. And I, like, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Only you're not joining in. <laughs> yeah, that was a- sometimes you do, but. Classic it's just, moment. It's just and, awesome. Uh, yeah. It makes, me, radio it, make, history. it makes me laugh every time. It's just one of those things where if I'm feeling down, I just go back and listen to that. and Listen to my mistake. And, yeah. I'm glad my uh, shortcomings can make you laugh. 
I'm glad you can find amusement in that. Uh, but we got a lot of amusement from Survivor Series 1998. Is that fair to say? Did you find a lot of amusement from this show? Uh, you watching? Yeah, it? I mean, I watched it back. I, I there were some things where I kind of like appreciated some things more than others than I did, you know, watching it in 1998 or even a little bit after that. But I do think this was a a really good show. So looking forward to it. Did you watch this live as a kid? I did. I absolutely did. Do you have any (laughs) memories from that at all? Going Uh, in, coming out? I don't remember if I mentioned this before on the podcast, but I went into school the next day and there were... a lot of kids, I was in eighth grade, and a lot of kids were just getting into wrestling. They loved The Rock. They loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. And mostly The Rock, though. A lot of the kids in my elementary school uh, were fans of The Rock. They would always quote him and, you know, do his mannerisms and stuff like that. So first thing one of the one of those guys asked me is like, do you still like The Rock? And I just look <laughs> at him. I kind of shrug. I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, ah, oh, the hell with you. <laughs> like, wow. Like, yeah, eighth grader, eighth grader said to hell with me. But because um, I, I wasn't sure whether I liked The Rock or not, but I was still in that, that mode, you know, in eighth grade, I, cheering for the good guy. It was obvious Stone Cold Steve also was the good guy, and he got screwed. So I was kind of pissed off that he didn't come out of there as champion. And then The Rock was champion, but he was a bad guy. So I was just kind of like, ew, whatever. That didn't. Uh, it didn't matter to anyone else who loved The Rock. They were ride or die with him. <laughs> no, I mean, and you're, you're right. Like, you hear it in this crowd tonight that people were all all about The Rock. I mean, until he hugged Vince McMahon. And we'll talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. Uh, and but even still, like we talked about in our, in our WrestleMania Rage episode, uh, in the Rage Party, <laughs> um. Which, you know, this is like the beginning of this whole story with The Rock and versus Steve Austin for the title. It all culminated uh, at WrestleMania. But uh, The Rock was getting cheered as a, as a heel. Uh, maybe not at first when this story first broke out. But by the end, by WrestleMania, he was definitely mm-hmm. getting 50-50 reactions. Mm-hmm. So WWF eventually did the right thing and turning him into a babyface. But he was, on this night, it's... Steve Austin was number one babyface. The Rock was one A or at no lower than two. Mm-hmm. Like he was getting big reactions on this night. Um, so yeah, Survivor Series 1998 would be a very interesting show to look back on. It happened on November fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight. It was the twelfth annual Survivor Series. Uh, so we're now we're three days after the twenty second anniversary of this particular show we're here recording this on uh wednesday night our usual night november 18th uh took this event took place at the what was known then as the keel center it is now known as the enterprise center in st louis missouri uh, according to wikipedia there were 21,179 people there so big crowd big big mm-hmm. crowd at the keel center uh in st louis uh one thing that i Wanted to mention before we got started here about this particular show. It's just St. Louis is a wrestling town. Mm. Uh, I think it gets kind of overlooked as far as its, its history and its lineage. I think when people talk about, oh, what's the big time wrestling towns? It's New York, it's Chicago. Philly gets thrown in there as well. Which also, speaking of Philly, 
Uh, there's a GoFundMe up for the 2300 Arena. Uh, they're looking yeah. for a significant sum of money to keep doors open uh, at the 2300 Arena, formerly known as the ECW Arena. So uh, I retweeted it on my Twitter. I think, Nick, you did the same thing. Yep, it's uh, up on go- our Shooters Radio Twitter as well. <clears throat> right, so go check it out. It's a Philly landmark. I got also got my, my Super Bowl ring there. So uh, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a Philadelphia you're a fan of venues and whatnot, and this is a nice uh, medium-sized venue that's not the Wells Fargo Center, not the Kimmel Center, not big and fancy like that, but it's a smaller, mid-sized venue where there's a lot of different events, and it's a good uh, building to have in the city. Go look into that GoFundMe. It's on both of our Twitter pages. Uh, and see if you can help them out and keep the doors open. But uh, back to my original point was that you talk about these major wrestling cities. St. Louis is a kind of one that gets overlooked, even though it had for a long time. It was one of the hubs of the NWA, and it was where you saw a lot of NWA world title matches back in the day. Uh, and at the old Keel Auditorium, and where the Keel Center replaced this building, replaced the auditorium. Uh, but the old Keel Auditorium back in the day had a lot of Big time NWA World Title matches. You ask, you know, talk to some of those older guys from back in those days, like a Ric Flair or something like that, and they say, "Yeah, St. Louis, big town. They make a lot of money in St. Louis." So, yeah, so you gotta I throw that even, out there. Even uh, kind of made a list of the notable WWE events at, at the Keel Center. Um, you know, they they had Bad Blood '97 there uh, the year prior. For a Hell in a Cell match, uh, a noteworthy night. They even had kind of like St. Louis Hall of Famers uh, there. They kind of had like a little uh, segment for them, uh, kind of paying respects to that St. Louis lineage you were talking about. Uh, yep. The day after this pay-per-view is Survivor Series on 8. Uh, not the day after, I'm sorry. The day after Over the Edge, 1999. Uh, it was at the Kiel Center. Raw is Owen, you know, the day after Owen Hart died. Uh Raw 1000 was there, and Survivor Series 2014 was there, uh, all in the same building. So uh, that's when, obviously, when Sting debuted in WWE. That's why I, I made it noteworthy. There were a lot of other events there, but those are, like, the main noteworthy ones that I wrote down. So this definitely is a uh, a very history-driven city uh, when it comes to wrestling, and uh, absolutely one of the best. Yeah. And this is another historic night in St. Louis. Of course, the home of Randall Keith Orton, our current or a former, I should say, damn, he already lost the title. <laughs> yeah. Uh WWE champion. He just lost it Monday night to Drew McIntyre and lost it back to him. So hence why we're getting Drew McIntyre versus the big dog Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. Um what what you said earlier should be a uh a fun match, even though it means largely nothing. <laughs> um, back to Survivor Series 1998 uh, this was historic for a number of reasons number one we have a tournament 14 man tournament to determine the vacant WWE champion um, this came about because Steve also was a champion and then Vince McMahon did everything he could in his power to screw him out of the title he did then they had the, the title match between Undertaker and Kane, Steve Austin made sure that didn't go over well. So here we are <laughs> this, with this I, tournament. I will say, uh, perhaps one of my my favorite Raw episodes of all time 
the day after Judgment Day when Austin was fired at Judgment Day and then he came back and he was just basically he kidnapped Vince and oh, you know he, he had him in the ring with that bang 316 gun and made him piss oh, his pants. Man. Literally my favorite Raw episode ever. Um, it, it rivals the Daniel Bryan one when he turned on the Wyatts because uh, that was a great moment in the cage. I love that. That's probably number two for me but this entire episode started you know, with Austin kind of terrorizing Vince McMahon and Vince trying to get away and Austin grabbing him and then holding him hostage. And God, it was like one of the greatest episodes. I, I remember just loving that episode. Uh, Steve Austin had him up in that room all day and he was <laughs> yeah. telling him he was going to shoot his eyes out in, in his head and stuff like yeah, that. It's just... Yeah. And then, you know, after all that, he has a new contract anyway. He just puts it in Vince's pocket while Vince is, you know, pissing his pants. So... Uh, all that, all that led to this, and it was just fantastic. It was a lot. The 1998 WWF <laughs> was so much. <laughs> like it really it was. was so much going on. Yeah, it was a bit like it was a bit of a mess at times, and you'll see some of this mess on this show. <laughs> uh, with this Deadly Games tournament, as they called it, I don't know why it was called Deadly Games. Nobody died. <laughs> uh, there was really nothing inherently deadly about it, but they had a name they had a cool song to go with it deadly yeah. games that that song yeah um they had a cool logo to go with it and that was it yeah. <laughs> i didn't understand what it was for but okay yeah. it worked yeah. we're still talking about it 22 years later mm-hmm. uh the deadly games survivor series uh but this is a historic show because this was the first survivor series to not have any traditional survivor series matches on it yeah and no one batted an eye because no one cares about Survivor Series matches. No one cares about Survivor Series, so who cares? Like, this could have happened well, the concept, anywhere. It was a tournament, so you didn't need those. Ah. There you go. Ah, you still don't need Survivor Series matches. It's a watch concept. I talked about it in detail last week. I'll probably talk about it in detail again at some point until WWE puts the kibosh on Survivor Series. It needs to go. I'm sorry. Now, what would you think if... Uh, they got rid of those elimination matches, but they had a tournament every year, almost like a you know the G one climax with New Japan. If they made just that Survivor Series that one night tournament, and uh, you so know, with the King of the Ring. Well, uh, I'm trying to say like maybe the the winner faces the champion that night or something. It would be you know I'm actually going off the top of my head on this one, so I haven't really thought about it that much, but. Um, you know, having the tournament that night, I guess the King of the Ring could be uh, worthy, but I, I'm thinking, like, at least face the champion that same night, too. It would be a lot, though. But, hey, they go four hours now, so why the hell not? Well, I mean, pandemic pay-per-views aren't that long. That's true. That's true. So they're not four hours. and I'm here for it. I'm not saying that. I'm here, I'm here for this pandemic to stay. I know what they're going to do once this pandemic oh, is over. Uh, once this is all over and they're they're able to have fans back and they can do whatever they want again, boy, they I'm might not do, looking forward to those six-hour shows. Man, they might they might do two-night pay-per-views every month. That'd be Saturday wild because I don't Sunday. know how they'd... St- <laughs> I don't know if the economy can, su- can support <laughs> people going spending money on these shows twice. Like It's uh, crazy. Cause you got, I mean, this is this is honest. This is just honest. Like, people are losing their jobs, unfortunately. Like, will people have enough money? 
uh, expendable income to be, you know, hanging out at wrestling shows, especially WWE shows where those tickets ain't cheap, man. No, they're not. Unless I guess the people, cheaper, some people but... will, some people will. The common normal person probably won't, but the rich people who, honestly, the rich people who go to these events like basketball games every night, a lot of those people have money. Okay. Uh, they're gonna go anyway because they still have. They're still gonna have money, but the, the, us common folks like you and me, who you know. Don't have millions of dollars in the bank. Uh, you know, for, we're fortunate we still have jobs, but some people like us ain't. So I don't know. Yeah, and we'll see. S- something if, to ponder. Uh, you know, they're reportedly going to head to Tropicana Field and uh, do some shows there for, from now till WrestleMania. Uh, well, maybe not now, but like after Survivor Series, maybe in December. Or something, mm-hmm. but yeah, like Rumble season to WrestleMania. That's the rumor. Uh, that WrestleVotes Twitter account had uh, put out today uh, or yesterday. I don't remember. Uh, That'd be dope. That. I got, it'd be yeah. dope to have a WrestleMania in a stadium again. Yeah. I mean, it would. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be Raymond James Stadium, but yeah. it'd be the worst stadium in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure they could but, make it look nice for wrestling. Oh yeah, I, I was just going to say thing, that. If one thing WWE does. They do make a, a nice production of uh, entrance sets and stuff like that. But uh, even now with the LEDs, uh, they do go above and beyond, uh, especially for like a Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could look forward to that. And I guess Raw and SmackDown would be in there too, but they would make that hopefully look different. Um, but it would be an interesting interesting visual for sure if they were to it will be. It move will there. Be. So. Um, speaking of sets and stages, the one for Survivor Series '98, that was pretty dope. I liked it. I did the the, the skull which we saw pop up again at the WrestleMania Rage Party. Yeah. Uh, but they had the skull, they had the flames. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty unique. And, you didn't see it, it looked cool. It reminded me of Halloween Havoc. It was a bigger thing. Yeah. It wasn't like small. And then you had the flames uh, on the sides. It, it kind of brought everything together. I really liked it. Yeah, WWE and I guess in '99 started getting more creative with those stages. Uh, into you know '99 and of course 2000 where they went really creative. But um, yeah, this was pretty dope. Uh, we got we start the show for one. We got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on the call at per usual around this time. Uh, we got Vince McMahon at ringside in his wheelchair, and the way he tries to stand up to. Be all like, please help me up, and so he can make this announcement was so extra. God, he, such a performer, man. It, it was, man. man. And hey, I bought it. <laughs> so he did his job to thirteen-year-old uh, me. I bought everything. I was he like, tried to make oh, himself man. look so damn feeble, though. Oh, 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 I can't stand. Oh my god. I'm sitting at home. I'm like, why is he even here, man? He should be at home resting. He should be resting, right? <laughs> like, of course. At that know, point, he's like 52. I, I know he's the <laughs> owner now, but come on. Is it really worth it, Vince? <laughs> <laughs> Such a ham, Vince McMahon. Um, now we get into uh, the opening match of this tournament. Now, now, let me explain something here. This was a 14-man tournament. Yes. So we're already off to a convoluted start. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> who the hell has 14 people tournaments? Like 14 teams, 14 men. That doesn't make any sense. Either 12 or 16. Why would you go to t- 14? doesn't make any sense. They did 14 so they can give Kane and Undertaker their own quarterfinal match. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just make it 16 and make them... I don't know. It's just... Uh, doesn't make any Austin sense. Austin screwed them, so... You know, they beat up Vince McMahon last time, so he didn't want that to happen again, I guess. Yeah. We're going to talk I'm talking about something else with, as far as wrestling tournaments, at least in WWF at this point. Uh, a stupid stipulation, and it comes in the next match. Not in this first match. Uh, or the third match, I should say. Not this, but not this one. I'm going to talk about it then. I'm going to talk about it with X-Pac and Steven Regal. But first match on the card is Mankind, who's all oh, clean-shaven, yeah. in his tux, so he's ready to be the corporate champion. And Vince has a hand-picked opponent for him. And it's the head coach of the Pasadena Chargers, Dwayne Gill. A one-loss record that set a new standard in the WWF. <laughs> right, a new standard. And the Pasadena Chargers, I guess, is uh, was a, was a, was a uh, Pop Warner team that he coached. El- elementary school football team. <laughs> yeah. Not, not to be confused with the Frankfurt Chargers out here in Philly. Ah. Former Pop One and National Champions. Shout out to those to those to those young boys out of Frankfurt, <laughs> Frankfurt Chargers. But um, D- Dwayne Gill's music was absolute trash. Um, and his pyro scared the hell out of him, like he was <laughs> Ultimate Dragon. Uh, absolutely hilarious. I love that he pointed up to the ceiling. He's got his own Titantron video. Oh man, he was like, "That's yeah. me up there. That's awesome." Jim Ross was like disgusted. He's got my, his own video. His really? return, his return sparked my online presence. My first screen name on AOL Instant Messenger was Dwayne Gill Five. Why would you name yourself after Dwayne Gill, bro? Because I thought it was funny. You told Dwayne everybody Gill. you're a jobber. <laughs> Not Bill. You, you wouldn't want to be Bill Goldberg. I'm gonna be Triple H. Listen, I'm gonna listen, be The Rock. I couldn't. No, you know, Dwayne Gill. I couldn't put Nick Pacone. I didn't know who was out there on the internet. So I had to make people think I was Dwayne Gill. Five. And no one disputed that because who wants to be who? Who would pretend to be Dwayne Gill? Like, exactly. Exactly. I'm always thinking. Man. And then once he became Gilberg, I was like, "Crap! What do I do?" Boom. D. Gilberg. Light heavyweight champion Dwayne Gill. That's right. Uh, this match was sh- short and to the point. Mankind yep. won with a double arm DDT, and it was over. <laughs> Mankind advances. Uh, I forgot there was so many matches, real one after another on this show. Yeah. Um, where we we talked about Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety eight, which happened you know a couple weeks before this, and it took them twelve minutes to get a match in the ring. <laughs> and we're already on to match number two here. Yeah. Um, with Jeff Jarrett and Al Snow. Uh, also, I don't know what they were doing in this tournament, but they were here. Uh, JR said that Deborah can be easily described as a Jezebel. And King was like, what? He's like, no doubt about it. I was like, damn. <laughs> he used that a lot. That Jezebel. That Jezebel, that harlot. <laughs> <clears throat> but this was a match. I mean, it was two guys who could work. Jeff Jarrett and Alice Snow, two talented guys uh, who were never really big-time main eventers. And, and, I mean, Jarrett eventually became a man inventor in WCW and, of course, an Impact. Uh, but they they did out there. They worked. And Al Snow won with head. I, I didn't know if you had any other takeaways from it. Absolutely not. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> there I, you go. I did think it was interesting. Uh, I forgot just how long Jeff Jarrett was in this character before, like the with the hair and the new tights and everything. And it was right around SummerSlam when they cut his hair 
and then he kind of became this character, and then he teamed with Owen Hart, and then eventually Intercontinental Champion went and fought China, and then will go to WCW to become World Heavyweight Champion. So he was still kind of an afterthought at this point in the WWF, but uh, he was definitely Clearly. tweaking the character a little bit at this point, and uh, I kind of just forget that at this point in 1998 WWF, it was kind of like the beginning of that shift. Yeah. Well, so he had Deborah. Not, yeah. And she looked good. So. Yep. He had that going for him. <laughs> uh, next match on the card. Uh, Big Boss Man versus Steve Austin. Uh, I don't. How long was Big Boss Man back in WWF before this? I don't think it was very long, right? I don't think so. I can't remember if he was at Breakdown or Judge, Judgment Day. I think he was, but he still might have been under that mask because he was wearing a mask for a while before it was revealed that it was him. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't that long after this. Uh, or, I mean, it, it wasn't that long, maybe a month or two at the most. Big Boss Man, father of the shield, pretty much. Mm. Uh, the riot gear it started with Big Boss Man. That's right. I, 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 what, it was a cool turn for him, though, to you know be this like yeah. riot gear wearing kind of guy. Yeah, it was like a different look. Colorful, and... cartoony right. prison guard. Yeah, and he lost weight and he looked for really great and i was like man see this is why wwf rules they, they come back and they look great <laughs> right, right. WCW, he got he looked like trash but uh i wasn't a fan of how they i always thought big boss man was three words uh, at least in his first run but now here they have just big and then boss man has one word I just, no that's there's three words that's weird yeah i don't know why they did it's that. three words I'm not a fan big boss man exactly I got it written down as three words. Forget WWF. <laughs> they also said uh, gang rules, no uh, no E and the Z. Like, That's true. WrestleMania X7, X8. Like, Oh, God. That was embarrassing. Still ridiculous, yeah. Um, moving on. Well, we still got to talk about this match, I guess, of course. Um, <clears throat> big Boss Man, at one point... Just blatantly hit Steve Austin with a no blow, with a low blow, and the referee just did nothing. And that happened multiple times in the show. And I don't know what it was about 1998, but WCW and WWF, they would just see stuff happen and just be like, "Well," and that yeah, was it. And, and not even like it was only sometimes where the announcers would be like, "Oh, referee's discretion, he's gonna let it go." It's like, but what? Like, <clears throat> wait a second, that's not how wrestling is that's not what we were taught were the rules damn it right it's automatic it not consistent DQ. come on not consistent at all right i wrote here that we're 20 minutes in and we're already on to our third match and we had a promo for Vince mcmahon like wwf was efficient they were getting stuff yeah. out the way i mean obviously they had a lot of matches to get through with this tournament and they had some heavy angles happening at the, at the end of the yeah. show that needed the time right. to play out right so and they made these quarterfinal matches at least uh, ten minute time limit. Right. So these are going to be quick, to the point. Boom, boom, in and out. So, uh, uh Buck Bossman later hit Steve Austin with a nice stick, and the referee called for the bell for that. That was that was a step too far. You low blow him, <laughs> but you use the weapon. By God, you got to go. That's and it. That's it. Steve Austin technically won by disqualification, but Big Bossman beat the living hell out of him. So I guess in Vince McMahon's mind, that was a good thing. So like Steve Austin advances. But he's injured, so right. he probably won't advance much further. And it was maybe literally 20 seconds before 
Big Boss Man hit him with the nightstick. Jim Ross was like, you got to wonder Boss Man's motives here. Is he here to win or is he here to hurt Stone Cold Steve Austin? And they kind of went with that. And then, boom, it was like right after that. So the timing <laughs> was very good. You kind of like, you know, in my mind, 13 years old, of course you want to win. Like it's a tournament for the title. And that was when I was first really introduced to different motives in wrestling where maybe winning's not always the ultimate thing. You're just trying to... that. I, and I think that's part of the reason why I love that Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, Iron Man match so much from 2003. It's that Lesnar didn't mind getting disqualified in one fall or even two falls. He was going to beat Kurt and, you know, pin him three or four times and get that lead. So to me, that that made way more sense, though, yeah. because it's like Brock controlled his own destiny and that he can still <laughs> pin Kurt Angle. Where Big Boss Man, like, I don't understand how Vince McMahon is punishing Steve Austin by helping him advance in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like, true. That's like, true. Oh, I'm going to punish you by you're going to win. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Gotcha. It's like, okay, now I'm one step closer to winning the title. Okay, yeah, but, fam. You know, like, he, he had those plans in place just in case. So that's kind of like how they, you know, I guess. formulated that story together that, hey, if you don't win in the first round we have something waiting for him down the road don't don't you worry well, about that and it, didn't it, it ultimately worked <laughs> vince didn't anticipate this happening on the next match we got x-pac <laughs> yeah, versus steven regal right so damn weird now look before i get into what happened in this match i just want to say that i would have loved to have seen x-pac and steven regal william regal whatever you want to call them in their prime with their heads on straight because I think it could have been a fantastic match between them two. As far as uh, the storytelling where you got Regal as a map-based technical guy, X-Pac as more of the athletic, kind of high-flying guy, and you kind of see that clash in styles go at it in the ring. Uh, we never really got them both in their prime and both with their heads on straight. Uh, this is probably the closest we've gotten. Even still, Regal was not in a good, in a good space. Uh, there's a reason why he was the man... And he's a construction worker. And so that's why I always look at this time in his career. It's like, oh, man, I just feel so bad for him. Because I know he was in rough. He was, yeah. like, in rough shape uh, off away from the ring. Yeah. Um, But he, he was only 30, apparently, at this point. And he oh, just wow. looked way older than 30. <laughs> like, like man, he 30 was five years younger than I was currently. Than right. I am currently. That's crazy. Right. That's what JR said, at least. And he's just like, he's 30? He was 30? Mm. Um. But this match, okay. So X Pac and William Stephen Regal, I should say, they both get counted out, which means they are both eliminated. Now, for, for starters, that's stupid as hell. What tournament eliminates everyone involved? <laughs> Cause you, how stupid is that? Uh, Somebody's got to win. Uh, yeah, you would think so. So WWF said, okay, they rectified. It's like, you know what? I want an overtime. That's what Vince said because Vince didn't want to give Steve Austin the buy into the semifinals, which, again, is dumb. Right. Why would that even be a thing? Why would that? It's a tournament. Somebody has to win, bro. It's like in the NFL. Can you imagine, like, a team just <laughs> skips right past a divisional round because? Well, hey, it might happen this year. Who knows? Well, With that, the that pandemic they, they just can't happen. It just can't happen. It's just stupid. <laughs> It's just stupid. They just skip right on yeah. by the divisional round to the AFC Championship because somebody got to no. It just it just wasn't going to happen. Somebody got disqualified. No, 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 no. No, it's just dumb. So WWF is like, hey, like you said, Vince, I want a five minute overtime. 
Okay, that makes sense. Somebody's going to win. Sergeant Slaughter comes down. He announce, he makes him announce it. X-Pac, for whatever reason, doesn't come back to the ring. So instead of William Regal being the winner, because he right. never really left the premises, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, well, I guess you're both eliminated. And that's it. <laughs> it made... and I'm like, I wrote down, wrestling is dumb. Very dumb sometimes. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even ring the bell to signify the start of the match. Uh, like the restart. They should, I should have. Say. So they announced that there was going to be a restart. So right. ring the bell and count X Pac out and make yeah. Regal the winner. Yeah, I don't. You know, I guess they felt like they didn't have enough time. Who knows? But that was stupid. Very, very stupid. stupid. At the same time, why even have time limits? If there's a draw, then what? Like you know, oh, we're just right. gonna keep going. That's a good point. You're eventually just going to keep going till there's a winner. But uh, yeah, it just wasn't. I, I laughed at it because I knew that was going to come up uh, in, in this show. I knew. We oh, you knew I was going to say something about it. And I knew how ridiculously stupid it was where it was like, oh, X, Xbox unable to continue. S- okay. So then William Regal goes to the next round. Then. Right. But they just never addressed that. And even this man was like mad about it. It's like, but you have, wait, you're the owner, right? You have the power to just say, okay, William Regal advances if Xbox can't go. But they didn't even do that. So, very confusing. Very confusing, very weird. It was a way to get Steve Austin into the semifinals a little bit quicker. They got what they wanted at the end of the day, but this was really dumb. So Now, uh, you think maybe, I guess I, you wouldn't be able to do this before the next round, or before that <clears> round's <throat> even over, but if you have like William Regal sit there celebrating a win, and then Austin just comes out, stuns him, and pins him, and, I mean, you can even do something like that as ridiculous as, in no sense as that makes. At least you're, you're getting the whole William Regal Xbox stink out of your mouth or something like that. It's just like they didn't even do that, and I, we probably would have had a, the same issue with the you know it making sense in that way. But at least. It would have been like, okay, one person, you know, clearly goes forward in William Regal versus Xbox. So I don't know. They could have just done something as stupid as that and they didn't. And it would have it would have been like thirty seconds. And I doubt and I'm trying to put myself back in my thirteen year old self, I doubt that pay per view went right to eleven o'clock PM. <laughs> I just there's no way. It was two they hours never, and forty four minutes on yeah, WWE Network. Yeah, so. so Well, here's the thing. They had some really weird edits in the WWE They did. They would just ab- so. abruptly cut to something <laughs> yeah. to the next segment. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. So maybe so it's probably, you added like five minutes. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Still, yeah, but plenty yeah, of time I, to throw in something like William Regal celebrating and then Austin <clears> just comes out and stuns him, pins him. He moves on to the next round, even though the first round is not technically over. Who knows? <laughs> right. This is it's weird. The, the fact that they... And they did this at WrestleMania 4 as well with the double count-out, double elimination thing uh, for the, the WWE title tournament. It's like that... It's just stupid. They also did that at the first King of the <clears throat> Ring in 93 with Tataka and Lex Luger. They had like a double count-out. So Bam Bam Bigelow went right to the finals. Look, what? They love doing that. How dumb is that, though? <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm glad the G1 has nothing of that sort. Yeah, like, yeah. It's so dumb. Yeah. Just go straight to the finals because two guys got counted. What? <laughs> Come on, man. That's just dumb. That's just dumb. 
All right, moving on from that dumbness to <laughs> Ken Shamrock versus Goldust. Uh, I don't know if you have much to say here. I, I do not. The only thing I had was that JR raved about Ken Shamrock's past success in tournaments, including his time in the UFC, uh, his King of the Ring win that year, and apparently he won a tournament to win the Intercontinental Championship that he was wearing. Uh, and he continued that by beating Goldust with an ankle lock. I do remember that uh, tournament they had because Triple H had to uh, forfeit it because of his knee injury or whatever, and Ken Shamrock actually beat X-Pac in the finals in front of Triple H, and that was kind of like the start of this heel-type turn, and I don't think it was fully cemented until he officially joined the corporation, you know, in like early 99. But this Ken Shamrock I was kind of a fan of, even though, like, I'm a fan of now, um, back then I was like, man, well, like I, I like Ken Shamrock. Why is he turning into a bad guy? Like I didn't like that at the time. And he even challenged. Oh man! <laughs> he even challenged Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, I think it was after SummerSlam and before Breakdown. So it was like in the middle of that, or maybe it was before SummerSlam. But yeah, he he was he had already like planted the seeds, you know, for his eventual heel turn. And then when he won the Intercontinental Title, I was like, well, it's too late because you're a bad guy. I wish you would have won it when <laughs> The Rock had it. Um, so at, at this time I was kind of like mad at him for being a bad guy, but I still enjoy like all his like ridiculousness before the match, punching himself on the steps. Like I'm in the zone. Ah! Like he was still doing some of that stuff. So I enjoyed it. Shamrock was dope. He was yeah. always dope. Yeah. I don't know how he still wrestling to this day, but he was dope back in 97, 98. I know that much. Yeah. Um, moving on though. Another, now, I think we're moving on to the second round now. Excuse me. Of this tournament. I think that was the last first round matchup. What, uh, yeah, the, it was. Was The Rock and Triple H technically first round? Oh, this is a first round matchup. You're right. This, okay. this is the last first round matchup. It's supposed to be, like you said, The Rock versus Triple H. Briscoe and Patterson came out and said Triple H is not going to be there. So they replace him with Big Bossman, who are already lost to Steve Austin earlier <laughs> in the night. He comes down to the ring. Four seconds in, he gets rolled up by the the, the Rock and loses. Boom, done. So, the Rock advances. Yeah, he just leaves. <clears throat> no big deal. And then at the end of the night, I'm like, ah. Oh. Yep, it all made sense by the end of the night. Yeah, it did. And it, look, it was brilliantly told by WWF. I'll give him credit for that. The way they kind of weave things in and out. It was kind of a mess getting there, but... <laughs> At least the stuff with The Rock made total sense. Yes. It made total sense. And you, you'll find out later on. Uh, we'll talk about it later on, I should say. The first second round matchup, though, is the old rivalry between The Undertaker and Kane. Of course, like I said earlier, they got a, a buy straight to the second round for some re- because of the whole mess at uh, Judgment Day with Steve Austin. <clears throat> so here they are. Paul uh, Bear is with. The Undertaker again. No, he's not with Kane anymore. He's with The Undertaker. So he's kind of going back and forth. Uh, they had a, 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 a decent match. It was a good match between them two. Um, not to the level of like the WrestleMania encounter or the Inferno match or anything like that. But this was just, it was a good match. Um, but Undertaker won with a tombstone. Paul Bearer held down Kane's foot as Undertaker got the pin. And Jared Lawler suddenly claimed Undertaker was his pick to win the tournament. Hmm. Nice limb to go out on there, but uh, yeah, this was <laughs> yeah. you know Undertaker. I don't think was fully fledged to heel yet, but um, 
He was he had already had he started he with the ministry of music already. Okay. He had yeah. the ministry of music and he was with Paul Bear. That heel turn was coming. Yeah, Paul Bear I think turned on Kane during that Judgment Day match. Uh remember he hit him with like a chair and everything. So uh yeah, him with Paul Bear when they came out together, I was like, oh, oh crap, I thought this happened after Survivor Series, but no, it happened before this. So um yeah, it was. Uh, I kind of felt bad for Kane after all these months of telling us Kane's the the bad one and everything. And I'm like, oh man, like, I'm sorry, Kane. Like, you're my guy. <laughs> no, but again, it was just funny, uh, you know, Tombstone. And then why does Paul Bearer need to hold Kane's foot down? It's like the Tombstone. Well, Kane guy. probably gonna kick out. I kicked out of two or three of them at WrestleMania. Yeah, but that was you know when Kane was younger. He was older here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That was that was March Kane. This is no this is November Kane. It's different. Exactly. You know Kane is bronchial. He don't do do well in cold weather. <laughs> Damn it. Not happy with your NFL picks or fantasy lineup? Luckily we have you covered. Follow Fox Sports the Gambler for its Sunday service. This is what we needed. Our sports wagering wizard, Mark Drumheller, fantasy guru, Tony Jigsaw Catillo, and Eagles insider Victor Williams serve up a Sunday feast. Of winning players, picks, and everything you need to start your work week off on the right foot. Always tune into Fox Sports The Gambler on the iHeartRadio app or 1025FM. Moving on into the second round, we got Mankind versus Al Snow. Uh, and Mankind was being. Here's the first sign that Mankind was being manipulated by Vince McMahon because Al Snow was in possession of Mankind's Mr. Sacco. Mr. Sacco was wrapped around Al Snow's mannequin head, named Head. Um, but it turned out that Vince McMahon stole the sock and put it on Head so that when Mankind found it during the match, he would be upset. And that's exactly what happened. He found Head. He started punching Head in the face. <laughs> he started punching the Head. <laughs> Threw it on the ground and he kicked it with his loafers, because uh, he still went the tuxedo and then, like the slipper loafers type of deal he had on, yeah, and a bow tie. <laughs> <clears throat> then he took it off, <laughs> and well, first Alistair used a chair on mankind and just again nothing happened, just whatever. <laughs> but eventually, mankind used a sock on Al Snow and advanced. So it was again, Mister. Mc- Mr. McMahon's evil plan, or as Gerald Briscoe said, Mr. Mr. McMahon's evil plan playing out right before our eyes. And I'll tell you, Mankind was brilliant. Uh, this whole, this whole like angle uh, where Vince is kind of taking him, uh, taking advantage of him, and everything like that. Uh, Mankind was brilliant. You know, some of his greatest stuff happened here. I felt so bad for the guy, even at this point, because I knew. You know, they already hinted it on TV that he was being taken advantage of, so I already knew it. I mean, obviously didn't know what would happen in the future, but uh, I was I felt bad. I was like, no, Vince is the bad guy, mankind. Come on, you'll come around. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this stuff, when he was just punching the head and everything, I just laughed. It's like, <laughs> man, he's not going to let anything uh, get in front of him to his path to the title, not even head. Not even a mannequin head, bro. Nope. Let nothing stand in your way. That's right. And you know what it I'm saying? probably was a thrill for him also to 
work with Al Snow. He, I'm sure he has a good relationship with him. And I don't think we knew that at this point, um, how highly he regarded Al Snow. So uh, that must have been cool for them to have this little moment. Well, again, another callback to our WrestleMania Rage Party episodes when Mick Foley came out and just made like seven jokes about Al Snow. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Couldn't forgot about that. Yeah, he, he couldn't help himself. He just kept <laughs> clowning Al Snow. What was it? Shrimping ain't easy. Ain't, ain't easy. Yeah. Uh, was it limping? Ain't easy. Yeah. Uh, Something like that. Neither simping ain't easy. Neither. We can just throw that out there. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it ain't easy. Um, the last quarterfinal matchup: Ken Shamrock versus The Rock. And I wrote here, people were going crazy for The Rock. Like, when he came out, the place erupted. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this was the second year in a row that they faced each other at a Survivor Series last year. It was at the end of a Survivor Series match. Uh, Ken Shamrock got the, the upper hand in that one. This time, it was The Rock who won, thanks to a... Well, what we thought was an, a, uh, an unwilling assist from Big Boss Man, who tried to toss a nightstick to Shamrock. The Rock turned back to his University of Miami days and intercepted that thing, picked it off, and immediately turned right around and clocked Shamrock in the head with that thing and tossed it right back to Boss Man and picked up the win. That was the funny part, because Boss Man like, caught it after he was all... He was like, damn it! Like, He's like, well, might as well catch it if he's throwing it back to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, very, very clever booking here. Um, I was kind of like, damn, look, <clears throat> the boss man is so stupid. Like he lost twice already, and now he's making that mistake. Vince McMahon's gonna fire his ass. But uh, <laughs> that did not happen. Uh, as you can see, that fire was a very, very strategically placed toss, and that was really good, by the way. Like, I mean, you can rehearse that as many times as you want, but damn that was like a great toss like a great interception it didn't look it telegraphed you know how so many things look telegraphed now in wrestling um it legitimately looked like a toss to shamrock that rock intercepted it wasn't like right to the rock you know rock had to reach for it pretty far so i thought it was uh, that even made it even that made it better uh for me just watching that and realizing oh yeah like that that's why it looks so real when i was watching it it was very well executed. Uh, so kudos to Big Boss Man. But we got to talk about a cue he missed later on in the night. And I'm going to talk about it mm-hmm. a little bit later. Uh, right after this match, actually. The WWE Women's Championship. Jacqueline defending against Sable. Uh, not much really to see here. Sable hit Merrill with a powerbomb on the floor. It looked yeah. like it hurt like hell. It really did look like it hurt. Uh, Merrill like bounced off the floor. Uh, but I put it here that this was probably Sable wins and she becomes the women's champion. This is probably the best Sable match I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and you could probably thank Jacqueline for that. I'm sure she was great, and she made she basically carried that. And no, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Sable. I was obviously for her winning this. Um, she was still the good the baby face before she started, you know, like her heel turn. By the time WrestleMania rolled around, she was like, you know, like a heel. But um, this build to Sable finally getting the Women's Championship was awesome. And uh, 
you know, Jacqueline did a great job at making me hate her. And it's like, man, you're you're just a jerk. Like, Sable's the <laughs> one. <laughs> so everything, and Mark Murrow getting powerbombed, everything was awesome. And you could tell he, he was trying to help her out. I don't know when exactly they divorced, but he was really trying to help Sable out a lot, especially with that powerbomb. So kudos to him, too. Yeah, kudos to everyone involved. And uh, Sable, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, Sable is your new women's champion. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I love that they spotlighted Shane McMahon as the referee here because it led us right uh-huh. into what would happen in the next match. It got perfect placement. And it, it jogged your memory if you forgot. Obviously, I didn't forget at the time. But if you forgot, Shane McMahon was a referee. Well, I know nothing got past you back in the day. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're 100% right, though. WWF. Uh, they would they were really good at it at this point. It was just putting little seeds here and there. I don't know where they went wrong. Just getting so far away from doing stuff like this, but they they were on it on this night though. Where like you said, when you watch it in hindsight, it's like oh oh oh. <laughs> they just don't do that stuff stuff no more. So here's an interesting matchup: the first semifinal of this tournament is mankind. Versus Steve Austin. Uh, this match is, you know, pretty good match back and forth. At one point, Steve Austin is about to pin Mankind. Vince McMahon, though, has his, his miraculous recovery from <laughs> paralysis. He hops out of that wheelchair. Whoa! It's a miracle. He then jumps into the ring and, and stops the count. Then they pull the ref out of the ring, and Vince McMahon clocks the old boy. Bow! Get out of here, referee. <laughs> All hell is breaking loose now. Mankind's tuxedo's falling off. His pants are falling down. He, he, looks, he looks out of control. Austin hits the stunner. Boom! And as you mentioned, Shane McMahon. Here comes Shane down to the ring. He's a referee. He was made a lowly referee by his father. So here he comes. He's about to count Austin three. One, two... He stops, gives Austin the fingers, double bird. <laughs> that were censored Backs out. away. Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, WWE Network, Network. thank you. Mm-hmm. He backs away. Jim Ross is irate. <laughs> what the? God damn it. What? What's going on here? <laughs> Which is great, Jim Ross. Jim Ross is fantastic at admonishing bad guys. Yeah. And it just makes the whole act that they're doing, the whole villainous act that they're doing, feel way more villainous it makes him feel way more evil when uh jim ross is going god damn this is this is ridiculous it's a tragedy oh my god <laughs> you know he's going crazy but I, I i love it so but here is the point of the match with big boss man mrs q and only do i know this because i heard steve austin's talk about this in this podcast numerous times and that in reality what happened you see here is that Gerald Briscoe hit Steve Austin with the chair to cost him the match. And it's a terrible chair oh, shot. Oh, the worst. That was worse it's, than a Hulk Hogan chair shot. It was like, tink, and Steve Austin goes down and he loses. <laughs> In reality, that was supposed to be Big Boss Man coming down to the ring and walloping Steve Austin. Pow! And that was supposed to kick off a feud between them two. Obviously, while Mankind feuds with The Rock... And, of course, you know, they feud until Steve Austin eventually moves on to The Rock mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. It makes perfect sense. Right. Right? 
Big Bossman just came back. He's going to get in a big view with Steve Austin. Costing the title here. Boom. It just makes perfect sense. I forget exactly what happened with Steve Austin after this, but it wasn't good with Big he, Boss Man, I don't he, think. He went uh, it went <clears throat> another feud with The Undertaker for a little bit. Yeah, they had the Buried Alive okay. match. Well, th- that's who big, apparently Big Boss Man was talking to. Apparently Big Boss Man was talking to The Undertaker Look backstage, according to Steve what? Austin. That's what Steve Austin... Look, I've heard on this podcast multiple times. And he said he <laughs> thinks Big Boss Man was back there talking to The Undertaker about something... And Mrs. Q, and out of nowhere, it had to be it had to be Gerald Briscoe, and wow. he went, bing, and wow, that was the end. So take Big her. Boss Man eventually showed up, like at the very end, he's outside the <laughs> ring with Vince. He's like, oh yeah, okay, let's get out of here, guys. All right, sorry. But man, and like, Vince runs out of the, the arena into the limo. <laughs> Steve Austin steals somebody's car and chases after Vince. Jim Ross, they're skipping gaily away, and I was just like, wait, what did he say gay? I didn't understand at that time that gay also meant happy. So, <laughs> um, you know, it was it was just funny, like Vince was skipping away, everyone, like Gerald Briscoe dancing away, going in the limo and everything, and then Stoke Cold Steve Austin hijacking a truck, and it's just like, wait, what? And we're supposed to cheer for this, and he's just like, tosses a guy out of the truck and commandeers the vehicle. But, uh, Commandeers happens when a cop <laughs> does it. When a civilian does it, it's Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> well, thank you, thank <laughs> you. I mean, that's Jerry Lawler. You know, he he pointed that out. So he stole um, that thing. He did. Um, but yeah, that that's crazy to me because I didn't hear that part of Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. So uh, is Taker going into business for himself? Does he want that feud with Austin again? Like, what the hell is going on with Taker? I don't man? know. I don't messing, know. Messing stuff up backstage, and now we're supposed to honor him happened. this weekend. But Big Boss Man missed his cue, man. That's a shame. That's a damn shame. Because the chair shot heard around the world. You could tell Austin, like he he wasn't going after Shane McMahon, and it just kind of looked stupid. Shane was looking around on the outside and giving him the bird again, and Austin wasn't chasing him. It's like, what the hell, Austin? You look stupid. Big Boss Man is supposed to come with that chair. Yeah, and he just (coughs) and you know Austin's looking back, and yeah, he's obviously not seen anyone. So, but. That one moment just made everybody look so stupid. And <laughs> that was not good for Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> no. But, I mean, he recovered, obviously, eventually. Yeah, yeah. But... Just, he just looked stupid. I remember, I was like, <laughs> why, why aren't you kicking Shane's ass? Like, you're staying in the ring with nobody around? Like, come on. Right. So, yeah. It just, it just sucks with Big Boss Man because he had a big feud coming. Yeah. And yeah. that probably, that was it. That was the end of that whole thing, I guess. Because he wasn't the one to hit... Steve Austin with the chair now. No, I guess that's how they're going to connect that together. Instead of a pay per view match, they had probably a match on Raw that was nothing. So, right, yeah, I, like I said, I don't re- remember them. I honestly don't remember Steve Austin doing anything until the Royal Rumble, <laughs> like <laughs> when he was going against Vince. Yeah, in the it Royal was Rumble. weird because he had that. He had a match against The Rock the next night after this pay per view because mm-hmm. that you know contracts made it. Uh, so and Shane was like, oh, "I had to do it, Dad." <laughs> then, I had to do it, Dad. <laughs> and then that's when the Undertaker came out with a shovel and like hit Austin or whatever. So mm. uh, that's why I remember that, and that's why I remember the Buried Alive match at Rock Bottom. Uh, but that's it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about the Buried Alive match. You know that whole uh, build where they were trying to embalm him alive and all this stuff. Yes. Oh my God! <laughs> what a wild angle. 
really They're going to embalm the man did, alive. Did you watch the mortician on uh, WWE Network, by the way? I have not, right. but I've seen the outtakes of that anyway. <laughs> and it's hysterical. <laughs> and Austin gets up and like, whoa, what's going on? What's, what's up? <laughs> he's like, all right, now the drawers come off. And he starts pulling it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest things I've ever seen. Because I don't think I saw it. I did think I, I've seen outtakes before, but I don't remember seeing that specific one. And I just cracked up so bad. And I, I rewound it like three times because I was looking for the reactions of everybody. You know, like the Undertaker and then Austin and then Paul Burr. <laughs> you know, just, and then so everyone funny. laughing in the back. It's just the funniest thing, man. Just cracks me up. And I remember that <coughs> Raw, like that Raw, I felt th- those n- late 98 Raws were great for, uh, you know, like literally they would say, call your friends, tell them to tune into Raw if they're not already. And literally, like that's what people would be doing in my school. They would be calling everyone just to make sure they were tuned in the Raw. They're going to they're gonna do something to us. And we didn't know what the hell Embalm meant. You know, in eighth grade, we didn't know what the hell that meant. But if they're going to do something right. to Austin, they kidnapped him. <laughs> so... They're going to embalm this man on TV. And here I'm thinking bomb, like B-O-M-B, not E-M-B-A-L-M. So I'm thinking they're just going to like plant a bomb in him and he's going to explode. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, dude, I'm in eighth grade. How am I supposed to know what embalm means? Uh, that's a fair, but they're going to put a bomb in him and he's going to explode? <laughs> well, I mean, that's normal. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> That's wild. This is a, this has become a cartoon now. It really has. Put a bomb in him. I blame um, Vince Russo because hey, I probably just gave him a new idea. No, yeah, don't, don't, yeah, we gotta, we gotta move on now because <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't want to give Vince any terrible ideas. He has got enough of them on his own. Um, moving on from all of that, <laughs> uh. It's, WWF put on a cooldown match in the form of a tag team title match, a triple threat tag team title match between New Age Outlaws defending against the Headbangers and D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. Uh, strange thing about this match is that one member from each team was in the match. So it was like a true triple threat style match. Uh, I put that this match was long and boring, bro. Like it's probably the longest match on the show before the main event, and it's just I just was like I'm out on this, bro. And no disrespect to anyone involved, I hate to disrespect anybody, you know, uh, D'Lo, Mark Henry, especially, you know. Sorry, brothers, but I just wasn't I wasn't into it. Yeah, it was it was long, <clears throat> and uh, I did like uh, they had the outlaw rule where <laughs> partners cannot pin partners. Uh, I thought that, that was, was so funny. stupid when they did that the first time, but it was hilarious. <laughs> Um, you know what was interesting? I, D'Lo, D'Lo Brown, Hurricane Karana off the top rope to Masha. Uh, that was that was great. Uh, I f- totally forgot he did something like that. And uh, Tim White just kind of ruining the flow of the match because he's waiting for everyone to get in position. Like I hated <sighs> that stuff, man. It's like come Didn't on, Billy can say like you suck at one point like, <laughs> to Tim White or Tim White. Oh uh, man, just the the ending was absolutely brutal. Uh, because it's like everyone was trying to go for these spots, and then all of a but sudden, man. Billy Gunn hits a pile driver for a win. Like what? That I rejoiced. No sense. But I was um, like, "Yes, it's then, over." But then he mooned the headbanger. Is that like, part of me wants to think that was a shoot? <laughs> I was, I was just happy it was over. I'm just like, yeah. done. Move yeah. on. Let's go. Let's get. Let's get on to it. Yeah. So let's get on to this main event. 
between The Rock and Mankind and WWF. uh, So before that tag match, you had The Rock and Undertaker, and it's just The Rock won. Um, I completely missed that. that. I'm sorry. Yeah, The Rock and Undertaker was the second semifinal. Yes, it was whatever. (laughs) Paul Bearer hit The Rock with a shoe at one point, and (laughs) Jr. was like, "If the heel doesn't get you, the smell will." I was like, "Damn." So yes, it was just a match. Kane then, came down, choke slammed the Rock to get the Undertaker disqualified, and that's well, that, what happened. That was weird because the Undertaker threw the Rock into Kane, and it's like, well, that was stupid. Undertaker was just yeah, not very bright at this point. Um, <laughs> I did feel bad though because the Rock was making fun of Paul Bearer for being fat, and uh, they yeah. had like Jim Ross on commentary. I was like, damn, Paul took a lot of abuse. <laughs> I'm sure, but, but this is also the late '90s where you could just make fun of people like that, yeah, and it was true. okay. That's true. It was all right. That's true. Uh, now, let's move on to the main event for the WWE Championship. The Rock versus Mankind. Uh, WWF planted a lot of seeds during this match. Came into this match, you thought that Mankind was the heel. He was the chosen champion. If JR was saying it himself, he was the chosen champion for Mystic Man. And The Rock was the bad guy. In hindsight, when you watch this in hindsight... We should have never thought that. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, of course, Vince McMahon is going to choose The Rock. Yeah. And, of course, he's going to play Mankind. But WWE, to their credit, did a good job of kind of <clears throat> making you believe the opposite. It, it worked on me, man. <laughs> I was completely kind of, like, taking it back. And when, when everything happened, I was just kind of like, what? And then I'm trying to think back, like... But he just gave Vince McMahon to people's elbow like a week ago, you know, um, you know, because he beat up Vince McMahon. Like, so there's no way he would join forces with him. And it's funny because they explained that the next night uh, of why it was like, you know, Vince McMahon. Wasn't like tough love or something like that? Yeah, he took him like a champ or something like that. That was kind of stupid. (laughs) But it's a good way to explain it, at least. Where They tried. They tried. I applaud the effort. Yeah, exactly. They wouldn't try that today. Yeah. they means. might. Don't put it past them, though. This is WWF. Well, this is WWE we're talking I, about. I'm saying they wouldn't even try to explain it. They would just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. So that's where, you know, at this point, like, I'm 13, and I'm still... Like, I understand wrestling's like, scripted at this point, and, um, <clears throat> but it didn't make sense to me because The Rock just beat up Vince McMahon, like, not too long ago, so what the hell? So that type of thing I was going through my mind. I'm like, damn it, Stone Cold Steve Austin's not the champion. I was, like, so hyped for him to be the champion by the end of the night. And the fact that he wasn't, and now The Rock was, and I was just like, "There's how can Vince, how can Austin get the belt from The Rock with you know Vince McMahon behind him? That's not going to happen." So definitely not looking at the big picture yet. Um, definitely not even like feeling sorry for mankind yet at the time. Like at, at the end, I did, but um, you know during the course of this night, I kind of did because I knew what was happening. But at the same time, I was also like, "Mankind, if you can't." if you're so stupid you can't realize it then the hell with you type of you know attitude i had as a 13 year old wrestling fan so yeah oh, stupid ass <laughs> basically that's what i did so uh and then you know just vince and shane being out there you know it should have tipped us off at the time like i don't know there's just so many things going back to the the small package on the big boss man. It's like, oh, they didn't get physical that much. So, oh, and mm-hmm. the toss was kind of meant to, you know, be intercepted. It's like, oh, and it, they actually did a great job. He even said it on the microphone. That's what man did. 
I'll explain a lot more tomorrow night. <laughs> they did, right. They did. They opened a promo. promo for Raw the next yeah. on, on a pay-per-view. So, yeah, like everything, all the pieces were in place. That's why I even said it on Twitter earlier today. This is probably Vince Russo's best written pay-per-view. Even with the kind of crazy stuff that we saw and we laughed at and kind of, you know, criticized, I think, all together, the writing and everything. At the end, it all came together. One of the best uh, pay-per-views for, for that reason. Uh, the match itself was damn good. It was the best match in yeah. the show, in my opinion. Uh, the Rock of Mankind just always had great chemistry. Uh, without Even without, like, you know, we saw Dora Rumble, the I Quit match, without yeah. weapons and... There's, I guess you could technically, there may have been some interference, I guess, from Vince ringing the bell, but <clears throat> not well, nearly the level that they had when DX was involved and all that. No, um, when it was just them two, they could go, man. And it was, this was a, real, a very good match. Yeah, uh, like I said, easily to me the best in the show. Uh, Mankind went flying through another table. It's just like, man, he just did this back in June at Hell in a Cell at the King of the Ring, shot. I should say. To yeah, took a mean chair yeah. shot. Like it was just. Oh, Mick, he only had more chair shots coming, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but um, of course, the finish is a playoff of last year's Survivor Series. So The Rock put Mankind in the sharpshooter. As soon as he turns him, Mick, Vince McMahon goes running to the timekeeper and tells him to ring the bell, just like 1997. Then everybody gets in the ring, and they all have a big group hug. Ah, oh, we're our friends. <laughs> then they cut promos one one after another. Um, you know, you know, talking about you know they all we all fooled you and and mankind was stupid and gullible. I just remember, <laughs> um, and it pretty pretty much the Rock cut the promo cementing his heel turn. He called the fans you know trash and whatnot. So trailer park heel, trash, <laughs> right? So heel turns complete. Um, I just remember Vince McMahon trying to put the belt around the Rock's waist for like ten minutes. And he just couldn't do it. And the Rock was just like, "Give me this belt," and just put it over his shoulder. And like he just clearly didn't want it over his, around his waist. Vince, Vince just kept trying. Like, come here, let me put it on your waist. Ha ha, yeah. And the Rock clearly just wanted it over his shoulder. Like, <clears throat> and Vince just kept trying and kept trying, and just like, nope, just put it on my shoulder. And it's funny because the Rock never wore the war title around his waist. He, never he always really either did. on his shoulder or he always just carried it. Yeah. <clears throat> Him and Steve Austin did that. Steve Austin never put it on around his waist. Uh, and I always found it interesting that they were the pretty much the only two guys I can remember that would wear the belt like that. Yeah, I know. Uh, the funny thing is, my first memory of someone doing that was The Undertaker back in 91 when he won it from Hogan. And then that Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view or whatever, he was just kind of dragging it you know, on the, on the ground like he wasn't wearing it around his waist. And I always thought that was weird. So yeah, like clearly everyone always wore it around their waist and all that. Diesel maybe, he he was also another one that didn't always wear it around his waist. Um, but yeah, they're like you can, I can always remember the the stars that didn't do that and how I I was on the online community at the time. I had the internet in 1998, and people hated that Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't wear the belt around his waist. They hated that the Rock oh didn't God. wear the. Oh yeah, yeah. This. This internet wrestling community uh, user or, or whatever definitely isn't uh, built for the long run. <laughs> you know, they, just they, respecting they, the belt, man. Oh, dude, that's all they talked about. That's all they talked about. Goldberg wears this it is, around his waist, like disrespected okay. it so much that people bought more and more <laughs> exactly. and more and more. 
<laughs> so like, yeah, there's more yep. and more belts in the stands Too all funny. of a sudden. They disrespected it so much. And I will say, I, I think the belt looks better over the shoulder. You know, if you're walking, I like, think the belt looks dope know, over the shoulder. I agree. Yeah, like during interviews and promos and everything, it's just like, yeah, you 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 don't you don't need the close up of the face, but even if you go to the close up, you still see the title. So, um, you, you you remember, you know, if you're just tuning in. And you're a casual fan. You're like, okay, that's the champion. So right. I like that. It's in frame. It's right. And look, when you think about it, how many in boxing and MMA you don't really see a lot of champions walking around with the belts around their waist. Mm-hmm. If they're making their in- when they win the belt and the, the the promoter puts it around their waist, that that might happen. You see that in UFC, Dana White always puts it around somebody's waist when they first win it. But like when they're making their entrance, I don't think the guys in UFC even have the belt with them. <laughs> in boxing. It, it's over. Everybody else is carrying belts. The, yeah. the boxer doesn't have belts. It's like his his homies, his cornermen, is holding up belts and whatnot. Yeah. <clears throat> and when they're doing press conferences and whatnot, they got the belt on their shoulder. They got it in their hand. They got it on the table. Like, so it's just it's interesting. Yeah. And you don't really see that in, um, you know, regular combat sports. You really only see the guys wearing wearing the belt around their waist to the ring, and wrestling. From what I can remember, yeah, I mean, I grew up that was normal, so I think it's weird when you don't do it. So I would think it's weird if MMA fighters didn't wear it around their waist or box boxers didn't wear it around their waist and torn entrances. That's weird to me, just because <laughs> I was so used to like wrestling is the only thing I watched back then, wrestling and baseball. So to me, normal is wearing the belt around your waist, right? So interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, mankind. He's confused. He calls Vince McMahon's dad. Dad, I thought you wanted me to be the champion, and you know what happened. And Vince goes, "Oh, if you don't get this, if you don't under, you don't get that. Well, get this." And here comes the Rock with the belt. Pow! Clocks him in the back of the head. Poor mankind. Such a nice he's guy. out. He was even trying to give the Rock his his flowers. He was trying to give the Rock his flowers, man. He's right. Like, he's a great competitor and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I never, I never pinned or got su- or s- submitted. No. It's like I right, sure right. I get it. Like, oh, you don't like, get oh, it. Oh, Mick, get this. You don't get it. Well, get this, fam. Payow! right to the back of the head. Um, Steve Austin shows back up again, and this is pretty much where you knew, like, okay, I know where this is going. Now, now eventually, they get to WrestleMania. Theme, did his theme music hit? I'm not sure if his theme music hit, but he definitely people saw him come out it, and people yeah. reacted. Perfect, man. You don't need theme music for every damn thing. It was awesome. That's fair. I loved it. I loved it. Even if his That's theme music fa- no, did hit, 100% right. you know, he, he he just came out. He kind of stared them down first, and then you know made it made a run for it, which is like it was perfectly done. I really, I actually right. forgot this happened at the end of the pay per view. For some reason, I had the vision in my head. I went off the air with Vince, The Rock, and Shane in the ring. I totally forgot this happened, and I thought it was well done. You got to send the fans home happy, bro. So yeah. Steve Austin comes out, comes down to the ring. He stuns the rock. And then poor old Mick Foley gets a stunner for him for his <laughs> yeah. troubles, too. That was great. Because you're just stupid. This is a stunner <laughs> for being stupid. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my favorite part of this is when, like, the rock, you know, poked him in the eye or whatever. And Stone Cold's selling, selling it. But he looks like, for some reason, I zone in on it because it looks so bad, like his selling of it. So he's just, like, kind of <laughs> holding his face. And then he's just telegraphing waiting for the rock to uh you know 
get in position for the kick to the gut and stunner, but um, that whole thing just cracked me up. It was great. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, stun his ass. I should have said that the next day in school. I should be like, Stone Cold stunned his ass. Screw him. <laughs> stunned his ass right to Raw the next night. And the same person who asked me if I was if I still liked The Rock and then kind of shunned me, he was, <sighs> he was giving out stunners in the hallway. So Damn. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. on a rampage. He was. He was. <laughs> the kid should have got suspended, bro. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember if anyone saw if they're, if he did wind up getting in trouble or not. But I do remember uh, seeing it quite. It was like 15 feet in front of me when it happened. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> it was like funny. It was. It was more of so a diamond cutter, I guess. But it was supposed to be a stunner. But it was funny. Uh-huh. That is Survivor Series 1998. Deadly game. Deadly games. We played a deadly game and we won. We survived. We're not dead, right. fortunately. Right. So, uh, any other uh, you know takeaways from this show before we wrap it up here for episode 260? I really enjoyed. Uh, I think this is Vince Russo's finest hour as WWF writer. Honestly, I think everything that happened here was uh, really great, like storyline wise. All the matches maybe weren't, and obviously the Xbox Regal thing at the end was stupid, but um, I don't think that brings it down necessarily uh, completely. And uh, It was fun going back. Like The Survivor Series concept was still alive because it was a tournament, so I thought it was a great pay-per-view to have that. Um, Pay-per-view was still huge back then, 98 especially, and the fact that they had this happen on that pay-per-view to set up the road to WrestleMania, absolutely awesome. So... Big thumbs up, even though it was Attitude Era. A lot of things we can pick apart and kind of laugh at, but I thought it was great. Yeah, like you said, there are always some things that we can pick apart and make fun of, but for the most part, you can see that WWF had it stuck together. Yeah. And they had a clear vision of where they were going moving forward, where the opposite was happening in WCW, mm-hmm. um, where it was just a complete mess everywhere. And you're just like, so how did, what, huh? Wait. <laughs> What? Bill Clinton's here? Why? And you didn't see that with WWF. They just got, they just did their thing, told their story, got in, got out. We'll see you tomorrow night at Raw. And I think like, by damn. this time, Ultimate Warrior was already gone from WCW at this point. So, yeah, crazy how much how much changed in a month. Yeah, I can't help but compare and contrast the two because we've watched right. so much WCW lately. Mm-hmm. Particularly, we watched Halloween Havoc 1998. And now we're watching, you know, Survivor Series 1998. Again, only happened a couple weeks later. And you could just tell one company had an idea of what they were doing. And another one was just off the rails. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the, the, the things that WWF, the, maybe the, uh, the the missteps they made, they were minor. Like they weren't, they didn't just completely ruin anything. It was just like, oh, they could have did that better. The double elimination thing in the tournaments, they, they've been doing that and that's still stupid. But their ultimate goal was still very much accomplished, and they were off and running after Survivor Series. They they had it. Big Boss Man messed up, but hey, they, we can rec- we can fix that. That's a fixable mistake. That's not on the promotion. That's on Big Boss Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so yeah, that's that's just my takeaway from Survivor Series 1988. But with that, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You could follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter and follow. 
me at Nick Bacone on Twitter, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash shooters radio. And you can listen to us at phillyinfluencer.com along with any Philly sports, uh, you know, interests, and also at phillyvoice.com. Uh, I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, you won't be able to find me out here in these streets too often because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But uh, if you want to hear from us, uh, as far as a deep dive that you want us to do, uh, send your request to patreon.com slash shooters radio and subscribe and we'll fulfill whatever the request that is. Keep it wrestling related, of course. Uh, only you know It doesn't have to be a wrestling show, though. It could be a wrestling movie, a wrestling TV show, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, check us out. Patreon.com slash shooters radio. If you got a request for a deep dive you want us to cover in the future, we will fulfill that request or at patreon.com slash shooters radio again as long as it is wrestling related and as we mentioned earlier check out the gofundme for the ecw arena or the 2300 arena formerly known as the ecw arena it is on both of our uh twitter pages at von m johnson at nick McCone. uh i retweeted the uh pw insider story last night and uh, nick i know you have a link up uh you posted about it as well so Go check them out. It is a Philadelphia landmark. Uh, it's where, of course, numerous uh, wrestling happenings have taken place. You know, ECW, Ring of Honor, uh, on down. Uh, and, of course, it's just a great venue for the city overall. Uh, not just for wrestling, uh, for boxing, for MMA, for comedy. Uh, you know, it's not the Wells Fargo Center. It's not you know that in size, necessarily. Uh, but it's a nice mid-sized venue. They've had like beer festivals there. Uh, they, I don't know, they had like a whiskey festival. I think they had there something like that. Uh, so they have like I think they have like different parties and whatnot. So it's on Shooters Radio as well at Shooters Radio on on, on our Twitter page on the podcast page as well. So they're looking for a, a good a good amount of money and they to keep the doors open. Uh, but again, it is a I think it's a very important building here in Philadelphia. Uh, not just from a wrestling standpoint, but from an overall entertainment standpoint. It's a very important building to the entertainment scene here in Philadelphia uh, from a variety of different circumstances, including uh, that's where I got my ring for my Super Bowl ring with the Eagles back in June of 2018. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That's surprising, but that's where it happened. And we did a whole podcast about it a while back with the Blue Meanie, which is also on the Patreon, patreon.com slash radio. So it's a tough time right now for a lot of people uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, entertainment is, you know, not really a thing. Live entertainment isn't really a thing now for people, uh, especially here in Philly. We just got some new uh, COVID regulations uh, the other day. Uh, but once this is all over, it'd be nice to have some places to go uh, for everybody to go, at least in the city, uh, once it's all over. So. Uh, again, check out our Twitter pages, at Shooters Radio, at Nick Bacone, at Vaughn M. Johnson, and uh, lend your support to the 2300 Arena. For Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 260 of the Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.